Hey, wonderfuls, welcome to episode 546 of the JV Club with my phenomenal guest, Jacqueline Lopez. I was so excited to have her on the podcast. Uh, We had a wonderful conversation. I know you're going to love it. Um, Very inspiring, such a thoughtful, uh, wonderful mind Jacqueline has. And um, I can't wait for you to give it a listen. And I just want to point out, we didn't talk about it until the end, but um, Jacqueline did the voice of Cora for the most recent video game that featured Cora, which is awesome. So you really have two Coras talking to each other, if you want to think about it that way. Um, and what a delight and an honor. So check out the episode. I hope everyone is doing well, and I'll talk to you next week. that smile what a beautiful smile I don't want to get right into just praising you and and your beauty because I don't want people to think that's all I care about but I will take it (laughs) (laughs) good that's the only Uh, reason I I I agreed to be on this to be honest oh good oh good 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 oh my god yeah I mean that's really well don't but don't you find yourself doing that I mean I really feel like I mean I, I it's it's just a, it, we just live in a world where I would never want a child like when I meet a child this is not you but like when I meet a child I'm so conscientious about like don't just tell that child how attractive they are yeah don't you know what I mean don't make it about that that's not what's important but you know sometimes somebody just something grabs you and you're like well I do need to tell you that you're <laughs> an extremely adorable child like but I don't know I, I'm always like I agree I never want to say it, you know what I mean yeah no I think so I think that we have to like it's it's almost like we're healing ourselves through every interaction because us growing up, like I find myself not necessarily correcting, but just pointing out to like family members of mine because they will comment the first thing that's uh, with someone's on TV or the first time they see someone in a magazine, they'll comment on their height, weight, whatever's going, whatever differences happen. And on the flip side, you want to make sure that those, those aren't the first go-to things that the future generations latch on to. So I think that there's this course correct and self-healing that, you know, I'm not, I'm not looking to change anyone's mind, but I know for myself, I really do believe that every person we meet is a reflection of ourselves. So if Mm. we can kind of mirror that affirmation back to ourselves in some way and whether or not it lands on them or not, you know, who's to say, but I, I completely that. agree with you. I, I'm I'm very conscientious. I'm not any of my close friends can tell you I'm not the biggest kid person, but I really do try to treat them with the respect I would want to be treated with. You know, I'm not yeah. gonna I, I had um my friend's kid came over for a, a hang the other day and he gave me a hug and you know, you you don't you don't need to give those. So I was very conscientious about being like, Thank you for for the hug. I didn't need oh, that. I didn't yeah. you know, it's not like mandatory to do that anymore right. nor should it be if it's out of the kids yeah. comfort level so I was just like thank you for doing this you didn't need to and oh. um yeah just things like that I love that and yeah I hang out one-on-one with that kid I don't know <laughs> that's pushing things <laughs> <laughs> yeah I get I mean I get it and I also yeah I mean I'm just I'm I'm so I'm like you know, I, the whole experience of like being an adult in the Instagram era and the TikTok era is is so interesting because I feel like there's so much 
I mean, and I, I'm sure this every generation feel this way, but I, I just feel like there's so much that I'm so impressed by how like we dig deeper and we are more careful to kind of try to engender the right values in people. But then, and then I'm like, I w- think we really did it, everybody. And then I <laughs> go on Instagram and I'm like, oh yeah, there's like all these studies coming out that like young teenage girls are mentally ill because they're they're confronted with such an a barrage of just, you know, perfected imagery and and all that kind of stuff. And I just don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I, you know, and I think it's, it's, it's not, it's kind of like the collective because it does take a village, right? And here I am, like, I have cats. I don't have kids. But I do hypothesize that it does take a village. And there is a certain responsibility that you and I have respectively. But then at the same time, it's also it's not ours, unfortunately, right? Like it is yeah. the parents, it's how they navigate what those children go through. I think the biggest thing that I'm starting to hear and what I'm starting to kind of get behind and having to sit down in myself is, you know, we used to do we used to do research. We used to not latch for the immediate meme and the immediate infographic that made sense to us. There's a lot of conversation around neurodivergency, and I think it's great that we're normalizing conversations around that, but at the same time, you can make a hashtag out of anything. The big one that's been coming at me from my my peers and my group friends is ADHD. And, you know, the reality is, yes, there are a lot of people who have it. Yes, there are, there's a spectrum of it, but unless you're educated in it, it's very dangerous to be just spouting information. And there was an article or a um, a news uh, clip that I saw recently that was talking about how, you know, in these these hashtag groups, in these TikToks, in this neurodivergent TikTok, they're misusing words that the medical, you know, that the medical field actually uses. So now you're, you're not fact checking. And I think that that's where I draw the line sometimes is I, but it's practice what I, I preach. So I'm taking the time now to really follow the long tail, to really mm. see where this information comes from. And it's yeah. the critical research and the critical thinking that we used to do back in the day, you know, when we right. had just books and windows and Macintosh and we had to go to the libraries and go to the reference material we don't have that anymore and we're so yeah. hungry to just yeah this yes this if it corroborates what i want but yeah. i think we need to take pause especially with stuff like this because you're right is it's just there's in in making us in trying to build communities i think we're also othering the people who really really need the one-on-one mm. access and mm. and i think that's something where we need to be a little more conscientious. And I and I hope that, you know, parents are doing that for themselves. I think it's beautiful that we're normalizing conversations and trying to make, um, what is it? Make little, yeah, make these, you know, soon to be adults. We're trying to make them think and, and feel on their own. But at the same time, there are little brains that need to be shaped. And yeah. you can't compromise with a five-year-old. You can guide a five-year-old to make rational 
I, you know, for their brain, but they don't know everything yet. They're looking to yeah. you for guidance. So to sit there yeah. and be like, you're an adult, you know what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> they were like, well, then I would like chocolate milk every day. Right. And it's like, right. well, there go right. your teeth. And I just feel like that's right. not right. <laughs> I think that we need to still toe that balance. I mean, yeah. you know, and, and this might be a, you know, a hot topic, but a hot take, but I really do believe that some of the discipline that we had back in the day, it's we're we're functioning people in this day right. and age, you know, and and I think that it just yeah, there there just needs to be adjustments. I think we're always course correcting because the way the world is is also changing every minute. Yeah. It certainly is. And yeah, in ways that feel like they could leave you breathless oh, kind yeah. of in in comparison to, yeah. you know, even a decade ago. Um, how hands-on were, like, was your familial experience when you were a kid and when you were a teenager? How, how active were family members in your development? I was very, very fortunate. So my grandma practically raised me, my mom's mom. Um, my mom moved from the Philippines to America, and she met my dad in New York, but my dad was from Mexico, so really didn't have anyone. Um, both of my parents were in residency when they had me, so they were both doctors, but luckily my grandma was able to come from the Philippines and raise me. So I've always had a maternal just person on my side, like even, you know, like I, she, yeah, she was the one that taught me everything. Um, and then going into my high school years, it was yeah, it was it was still that hand, but I will say that that was when I was starting to expand my friend group outside of school. Um, I went to a private school, and so a lot of my extracurricular was kind of within that friend group from there. When I started in in high school, I started doing community theater. That was exposing me to a whole bunch of people that I didn't know. And I think it was the first time where my mom was like, oh, she doesn't just go from school to a friend's house to home, here to here. Yeah. And so that, and I will say when I got into high school, my parents separated, my mom had to carry a lot of the weight. And then my stepdad came into the picture. But regardless, it was, I think, the change in family dynamic married with the idea of my grandma wasn't around all the time. Other people were having babies in the in the family. So she, we mm. were kind of her home base. But yep. if, you know, my uncle had a kid, be over there. Or if my my cousin had a kid, she'd be over there. And there was definitely this separation anxiety I had for a little bit because I was like, she's mine. Sure. How oh, dare you? Oh, God, of course. <laughs> I think I felt that way about my my maternal grandmother because I'm one of nine grandkids, I think. Wait, am I one of nine or one of eleven? It's possible I'm one of eleven. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, even that, just like because I'm an only child too. So I mm. think, and I was the and I am the oldest grandchild. So yeah. I think there was some period of time when I was a kid where yeah, my grandma and grandpa would like go up to visit my cousins, and I would be like, I'm, I don't remember. How, no one asked me if yeah. like that was okay. <laughs> like, yeah. And they didn't even live in the same city as me, but I was closest. And yeah, there's that feeling of like, I mean, this. This is my grandma. You guys can also have her, but how she's dare my you not consult yeah. me? That was my vibe. Totally. I was like, excuse. I remember one time I walked to my mom, and uh, I think my grandma was in either Canada. I mean, she was going from it was like Canada because my my uncles and aunts on my mom's side are just all over the place. I have someone in Australia, someone in Arizona, someone oh, in wow. Virginia. 
And so, yeah, and I think this time she was going from Canada to Australia. And when I found out that there was another leg of her tour, I just had a meltdown in front of my mom. <laughs> I was like, what? No. <laughs> of course. But it's, it's so funny you say that because, yeah, even – so I have a younger sister by blood. And even that experience was different because when I – because we also had – um a live-in nanny for a little bit, a housekeeper, but she also watched us if if need be when my grandma wasn't around. And I remember even that was an interesting experience because I still felt onus to my grandma mm. because I yeah. had her for those first formative years. So I always had sure. it in my head like, oh, she's on my team, you know, like. Right. She's not choosing favorites, but we know who it is. Kind right. Of <laughs> right. So, yeah. So, you know, it it wasn't until, honestly, it wasn't, and I, I think I think back on this a lot. So my my grandma, um, my maternal grandmother passed away my freshman year of college. And it was the first time where I recognized that I did not necessarily have the tightest bond with my mom. Mm. Might because my grandma was yeah. that buffer. And it was almost like I had to start relearning what that was. Or we and, and collect both both sides of the equation. Right. Right. And it was just really cool. And now we're at a point where, yeah, like I just, I just, you know, hang out with my mom. I can talk to her all the time. But it it was really interesting how that was not there until there was this hole that needed to be filled yeah. in the family. And I was like, oh, I don't have this relationship that I thought yeah. with my mom. And it was really yeah. cool to discover it. It was bumpy. It was rocky. But sure. it's it's ended up being so wonderful. And I'm just really glad because, yeah, it doesn't always work out that way with parents. Sure. I really don't talk to my biological dad. It's very estranged. So it's yeah. really nice to have that nuclear family and to have my mom just, yeah, it's just a great thing to be able to say is in my life. For sure. For sure. And and we're, okay, so your parents were both residents. They were both doctors. Did they meet in residency? Is that yeah. what you were saying? They mm-hmm. met, he's from Mexico, she's from the Philippines. They met at met the, New York. At, in New York. And yeah. then did, is that where you grew up? Like, were you a teenager in New York or were you? Oh, I wish. I do think where you're from is in your blood, though, because every time I go back to New York, I feel I don't feel strange. Like, I yeah. just I kind of morph into something where people are like, you're very comfortable here. And I'm like, I don't know. It's just taking over me. <laughs> it's like spawn. I'm like, what's happening? What are you like, talking to me for? I'm walking here. Yeah, literally. Yeah, I am comfortable. I'm like, what? And it's just, it's <laughs> never mind. I'm so sorry. And it's really funny because a lot of my closest friends in general, are from the East Coast or from New York. And it's just, but to answer your question, I actually moved when I was three uh, to San Diego because my dad wanted to be closer to family. He was like, look, and at the time it made sense. They were like, look, we're done with our residency programs, respectively. We have the family we want. Let's move near family. And my dad had immediate family in San Diego and in Tijuana. So we were able to at least have some sort of hub there. And then my mom's mom moved with us. So, you know, it was it was cool. So, yeah, I was uh, raised in San Diego. And uh, how much I mean, you're fluent in Spanish. You are. I am. I'm, I am. Yeah. I can. But my accent's a little interesting um, just because I basically was raised speaking Spanish until my parents separated. And then it was like that continual reminder of how to speak just kind of fell away. So yeah. I have to kind of find my communities. Luckily, I'm surrounded by amazing Latinas and just, yeah, you know, just a Latina community that's just really great. Um, but yeah, there was a moment where I was, I remember one time I went in for a demo read for um, 
Subaru or something. And they were like, tu acento parece muy extraño, which means your accent's really weird. And I was like, yeah. friend. <laughs> but it's so funny because I think like there was this such a type A and not that you're privy to this, but unless, and maybe you do speak Spanish. I just don't know. But um, I, my first six years, I'm from Tucson, so that okay. my, I went to a bilingual school. And then um, just like anything, you know, as soon as I, my mom was a French professor. And so as soon as I start, I was like, OK, great. I have all my Spanish. Good <laughs> to go there. Going to go ahead and take French now. And then my young brain was just like, like I was just old enough because I was in high school and I started taking French that was like, let me go ahead and sub out every French right. word uh, for every Spanish word. They're awfully close in some cases. Yeah. Not helpful. So, but yeah, but for sure, you know, like my experience of like, even just like growing up and having teachers from different parts of me- of Mexico, they would be like, now oh. this is going to sound a little different. You know what I mean? Like, and of course to your, to our little like young ears, we were like, oh, yeah, sounds 100%. pretty good to me. And that's it is it's like the funny thing is, is because we are in industries where our voice is so specific, they're looking for a specific thing. There's yeah. a lot of fixation. I go anywhere sure. in any country. They do not care. They say I have a great accent. I go yeah. opposite a creative director or a copywriter right. and they're like, hmm. The, re- like the, the demographic, reason- hold on. We can't, like, you can't alienate anyone. You, you want to. Yeah. yeah. You're putting the, the, the emphasis on the wrong vowel. And I'm like, I'm it's it's beer. But I right. think, <laughs> totally. but I do think that we're we're shifting towards, and this is what I'm really excited about. There's a lot of copy that's uh, Spanglish copy nowadays, mm-hmm. sure, which is really exciting because to me, I'm like that means all things are off, like all bets are off, all accents are off. There is such this otherness that a lot of um, the Latinx community is fighting opposite, which is there are for a really long time. You weren't Latino if, unless you could speak Spanish. And right. that ostracizes so many people. And it's right. not community building. And if we are trying to collectively move as a group to be seen, we got to do it. And we shouldn't put qualifiers on each yeah. other. And That so- happens everywhere, don't mm-hmm. you think? I mean, in so many, especially in quote unquote minority groups who of course in many cases are far more of a powerful majority but have been told that they are a minority you know in some sort of like why don't you quiet down you're a minority you know what I mean like I think that's the sort of like the careful language that has been a problem for so many centuries but but it but it, it sometimes that does kind of and I get and I totally understand I mean I have friends and communities that are you know it's it can be tricky because there's a lot of pain there or there is a lot mm-hmm. of, you know, um, well, OK, we need to come together, but we also need to like really individuate and make sure that we're preserving this part of our family's culture and all of that. And it's like, how do you hold all of that and 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 also not, you know, sort of minimalize and do someone else's job of being like, Shh, it's OK. You know what? You're just going to be this small group over <laughs> here. Yeah. Don't 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 ask for what you want. You know what I mean? Yeah. But. And well, I think I think also where I'm coming from is this sense of like we use box office as an example within our communities yeah. when we talk about this. Sure. When Black Panther came out, everybody in the black community was like, let's go. Yeah. When Crazy Rich Asians came out, yes, everybody indeed. from the Asian community, let's go. Yes. When Latino communities come out, oh, but he's not really Mexican, but he's playing Mexican. Oh, but he's this and he's not this. Or, but they're this and that's, and that's, that's, I mean, he is Mexican. So that's, 
that's just a, a an incorrect way of referencing. But the point is, is like we qualify who we who we support, whereas there's not this blanket bat signals up. Let's go. You know, I think right. that. Yeah. Yeah. And so I agree with you. It's just because of that, that that conditioning, I think that is to your point that minimizing that's a microaggression within our own our own community that we need to see that in order to resist, in order to overcome, we also need to address those things within ourselves. And so, yeah, I mean, I may not, like there are just so many projects out there that do get a season or get a, 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 a place in the sun. And I think that we need to just not think in those moments and go qual and just go support. I think we just need to have that movement, but you're right. It's, it's very easy for, us to default to under thumb because it is the conditioning that we've had. Um, You know, when you were talking about, um, you know, when, when you were requesting the photos of me as a kid, I really don't have a lot. I had to scrape the bottom of the barrel to find that. And that was something that a friend sent to me. Yeah. And I remember growing up and, you know, it's, it sounds so cliche, but it's so important I remember not really holding on to photos of myself because I didn't feel like I fit in anywhere. So hmm. why, why, you know, it, if, if I don't fit a part of the fabric, then my image, my, those things didn't matter to me as much um, just because I didn't see myself in spaces. And it, sure. And my translation of that as a child was, oh, my story must not be important enough to tell. So I don't think I held on to a lot of those images because of that. Now, my family has them. You know, I can go back to San Diego and grab them. But me personally, I don't go like, oh, I think fondly on that time. I just kind of, I was like, oh, I went through that. That's cool. There's not really a nostalgia. And I think it it is something I have to unlearn for myself where it's like, no, it's important. It's your story, you know? Yeah, but it was something that was really fascinating when when you asked for it. And I was like, I really don't have anything. Yeah, this is wild. <laughs> I totally get that. And uh, there was a period of time in which that was also true for me. And then my dad was basically like, well, listen, I have all the pictures I need. They're up in the house. Um, you, got, you want these? Yeah. <laughs> like, you got to do something with these. I don't have the space for them. Mm-hmm. So I sort of ended up with like a box in the garage that I mean, you know, I really have to like. I'm so not precious about it. Like I've never, you know, digitized anything. There's just sort of like, you know, it's like one person will be like, do you have that one? Do you remember that (laughs) one day at graduation in second grade when blah, blah, blah? I'm like, I I might. And then, you know, it's a it's a real like scavenger hunt. But yeah, I don't have a I don't I don't feel like a preciousness that you and I both deserve to feel, I guess, about those things I don't necessarily have. Yeah. Like I had friends who were like, remember when scrapbooking was like oh, yeah. the thing? Never, yeah. And I never was that. I had a friend who was like, yeah, you know, I make scrapbooks for people. And I was like, that was a th- like, I know, I totally, that? like they totally. were like the cool tape and the paper and they're like, and I'm this. pretty crap. Like I like crafty stuff. <laughs> and I remember go- like going into like Joanne, like whatever, like Michael's yeah, yeah, yeah. or something and being like, no, what's this aisle all about? And being like, oh, look at all these stickers. And people were like, oh, Janet. <laughs> No, it's more than stickers. Okay. This is scrapbooking. Yeah. Please. 
Excuse me. Please, show some your respect. voice. <laughs> show, some, like, show some respect. No disrespect. I love stickers. What, what are we talking about here? I know. Like for me, I'm in the same boat. I was like, stickers. Yeah. I remember I used to do like, we used to trade stickers. We would have sticker yeah. books. <laughs> Jacqueline, we need to have a conversation because yeah. this is Jacqueline, not, no. these fl- this flip-flop sticker is very key to the vacation that we all took when we were seniors. It, it, yes. um, it's going on that page. Thank you yes. very much. Do you have a vision? No. Well, then you shouldn't buy that packet. Oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't know. <laughs> what was your What was your high school like? Like, my, what was the sort of makeup of it? And oh man, was that the pri- that was a private school? Private. I mean, yeah. yeah. My I I was um, my parents enrolled me in a K through twelve private school. So it was oh, like, you're in it. Oh, I was it. Like, get used uniforms. to these people. Look at this. Oh, it was so funny. But it's so interesting because it was yeah. It was it was it felt like. I grew up with everyone. Like we knew each other's business. We were just in everybody's lives, but also disparate, right? And everybody found their groups. High school was really interesting for me because it was in when in some ways I found myself and in some ways you had a long way to go, but wasn't that for everyone. I remember yeah. um, when I first started high school. So I was carpool mates with the most popular girl in my grade and we would hang out all the time and we ended up getting along and we ended up becoming really close friends because there were times where her mom couldn't pick her up immediately. So she'd hang at our house and vice versa. Mm. Um, we would spend but the summer But that's how it together. started. It you know? started yeah. as like, hey, you guys don't, you're yeah. not tight, but it, this not. makes sense for our, our parents. And yeah. But there was no ego. And I think that was really cool. Yeah, But she stayed on the popular trajectory. And I remember... <laughs> Everything is so dramatic in high school. <laughs> I remember course. my freshman year, we were hanging out at the cool kids tree and I'm hanging out with her and the group. And I'm just like, and I'm in my, I'm still on the, uh, I'm still going through puberty. I just wasn't feeling myself. And I just remember going to her and being like, I don't want to pretend to be cool anymore. And I just remember having like oh. a meltdown and then just storming off. Like it was just like dramatic. Did you feel that? You felt, a, did you feel a sort of a pressure of like, in order to be at this tree, I need to like have be something cool. going that yeah, I don't like, feel I like I have. Be friends yeah. with anyone else. I couldn't, it wasn't that I couldn't be friends, but I couldn't hang out with anyone else. And I just felt like there was this, I didn't feel cool enough to be there. And I didn't want you know, actually, in retrospect, talking to you, thanks for bringing this up. I really do applaud myself for in that moment, trusting my gut and being like, I don't know what this Kool-Aid is, but it's not my Kool-Aid. Yeah. And I just I remember hearing from people being like, oh, we would invite you to things because we thought if we didn't invite you, she wouldn't come to the party kind of thing. Wow. So yeah. it was that. It, it was you picked this, up on that. Yeah, I had that spidey sense. And I just said, this isn't me. This isn't, I don't want to keep up appearances. Because there was a yeah. lot of, you can only hang out with us. Oh, this person's talking about this person. And I just, it felt strange to me. And I just remember just feeling kind of teary. And I'm being like, this doesn't, this isn't my group anymore. And then I completely just went off on a different tangent and just started hanging out with other people. And so my... My high school consisted of um, community theater outside of school. I went to San Diego Junior Theater, so I would get my rocks off singing and dancing on stage there. And then in in uh, in high school, I remember I would just hang out with kids who would play Magic the Gathering, or we would play card games during sure. free periods. And then we would just hang out. And I remember yeah. there was a group of us once a year. We would watch Pride and Prejudice. 
um, the old version with um, oh, Colin Firth, yeah, and we would just would. go to our oh, teacher's place yeah. and drink tea. And I was like, "This is this is yep. it. This is the place." And so, yes, I found my footing, and we're still friends. Like, and here's the deal, right? On the other side of all of it, I just had my twentieth high school reunion, and it was just so fun showing up. And I was just like, "Man." We the the drama that we did, and I'm just I'm living my life. Like I was just like yeah. we got along with everyone, yeah. got to touch base, and I will say that I got. It's not that we kept up with everyone, but because we were with each other for so long in that private school, kind of everybody sure. knows everyone. There's an and ease. was it a small? It was a small school. Yeah, our graduating class was a yeah. hundred people, I think, hundred and one. Okay, or yeah, like that. yep. So it was just really great yeah. to kind of come back and just be like, oh man, and and. And have a genuine invested, oh, I knew your life and we knew each other for so long. There was there was no ego. It was just really just nice to talk to people and, and catch up. And, and yeah. there was an honest connection there because we had that. And uh, but it was yeah. it was certainly funny to in retrospect to see how in my element I, I ended up being and I still got along with everyone, but it wasn't this. But yeah, she and I drifted apart in that way. And I would interact with those people here and there. And and uh, I never felt very adhered to a click. But that one felt clickish. And, and I had to I had to break away. So that was fun. I totally get I totally get it. I mean, I think there's a pressure when you realize that you didn't have to be as stressed. I mean, like like we were saying, teenage years are stressful anyway. There's just a lot going on and your hormones are going crazy and everything is dramatic anyway. Yeah. So if you're not with your people or if you feel like you're sort of right on the outside of the thing that you find yourself doing every day, um, that is stressful on a whole other level. It is so, yeah. so hard to feel like, you know, yeah. am I, did, did I, should I not have worn that? Okay, <laughs> well, like, oh my, oh my God. God, I just said something and this person gave me a weird look and this person is like a big part of this group of people that all have to be on my side if I want to have like a pleasant experience during the day like all of that stuff is just heavy it's heavy to carry I went to see the Mean Girls movie the most recent one and what stood out to me is exactly that is I remember being like who can I like in my who can I have a crush on who am I allowed to have a crush on because if they're going out with so and so and they're going out with so and so I don't want to make beef with that person over there and yep. and I yep. was very much, I mean, we unpack this later in, in therapy, but I was very much a people pleaser. So I would yeah. allow other people's needs to supersede mine at a young age and even yeah. throughout those years. And this was the one pocket yeah. of, I mean, it was so funny. It w- I think it was so dramatic because it was so scary to stand up for myself. And it wasn't that big of a of deal. Of course. But it was, it was in that moment for me because I was so used to not doing that. And uh, yeah, oh that my was God. really wild. <sighs> the feeling of I'm I go here every day, yeah. no matter what happens. That's such a terrifying feeling as a young mm. person. Like, I think that's what's so crazy about college is like you get that you sort of have that experience. And some people, you know, that I've talked to on the podcast over many years 
kind of felt like free when they were in high school for whatever reason they had a feeling of like fuck those people or like i could always go to a different school like whatever messaging they were getting or whatever internal clock they had that was allowing them to be bolder in that way i did not have i remember very much having all through high school you know from from first grade through through senior year a real awareness of like I do have to come here. I have to come here. Mm-hmm. Whatever happens, I can't escape it. So get do what you got to do because you don't want anybody to be mad at you. You don't even want to not talking to you. If you've ever gone through that, which I definitely did, you know, being bullied and stuff, mm-hmm. you really figure out how to navigate. Like maybe I just maybe they just won't yeah. notice me. Maybe I, you know, or maybe if I'm just really, really nice and I just agree with all the cool kids, like somehow that will keep me safe in some way. And I what I still get a feeling in the pit of my stomach when I think about or like if I have a dream that I'm back in high school, I, I in my dream, I'm like, oh, no, like I don't I have to co- like I this is where I and I didn't even have that bad of a high school experience. I had a mm. terrible junior high experience as many people did. But just the feeling of like, guess what? This is your job. Yeah. And you're not a, an adult and you have to show up for it. And so whatever mess gets made for you or whatever mess you make, it's going to be there waiting for you the very next day. Yeah. Like that was terrifying to me. Terrifying. It was crippling to me, you know? Mm. Anyway. No, that's it's that's so interesting. And it's funny because you were talking about bullying. Like, I think I was people pleasing to troubleshoot that so I wouldn't get bullied. Sure. Once in a while I got bullied. But first of all, either I was ambivalent. I remember someone was like, yeah, she's mad at you. I was like, I have a villain. Like there's I'm a villain to someone. (laughs) I'm the drama. Like, I remember towards the end of the, like, my senior year, someone's like, yeah, she she totally, like, spread rumors about you. I was like, I got rumors spread. Like, I was so excited. That's a great attitude. Yeah. But. That's great. But leading up to that completely, like, I think that I mitigated that, that part of it by being liked by everyone or doing the most. Like I I was very active in student government because it felt like if I was a part of that, then people think that I'm on their team. Like that right. was a big thing. You got a little little finger in some different pies. I'm like, like I care about you. Get yeah, right. Anything about me. Yeah. I'm just like, <laughs> I have my ravens. I'm just like throwing them everywhere. <laughs> my sources tell me you might have. Yeah. A little bird. Um, but yeah, I don't. I. Um, but to your point, I think that there was this sense of, you know, knowing, knowing that I was going to be there day in and day out. And I don't know. I. I think my way of avoiding that, I think I was cognizant of it, but my way of avoiding that was, yeah, being the smallest I could or being the most liked I could. And so it was yeah. just this yeah. this pendulum swing of uh, you don't see me or if you see me, I'm on your side. And so, yeah, totally. I think, but you're right. Like when people were being bullied, like I remember there were some people that were being picked on and I would just be like, that's not fair. And I would say something, and then in other instances, for Love me, that. what stood out was when I was in my community theater, there was one girl that was, like, new to the group, and then for some reason or another, she was moved out, and it was weird. In that in that environment, there was a bit of that mean girls mentality for me, and in retrospect, I was like, man, hmm. why did I side with them to ostracize this right. woman? Or, you know, this girl when she didn't ask for it. And uh, yeah, in retrospect, I was like, that was not a cool move because I wouldn't want that done to myself. And yet I think it was that projection of, 
I couldn't do that in high school, in my school school. So when I was in this community mm. theater, I was like, hmm, let me try this on. Um, <laughs> Raven. Raven. Well, what is it for the community theater? I'm glad you brought that back up because I wanted to ask about that. Was that multi-ages? Was mm-hmm. that like you're with adults and you're with kids younger than you? Because mm-hmm. that that's I feel like that's so important when you're when you're that age, but your exposure is now to a community of people who are uh, of a diverse age range. That definitely affects like your comfort level um, and and kind of being in your own skin I, in a way that I wish I kind of would have done because to me that seems very positive to be like number one, there's a whole world outside my school. Number two. You know, um, I can have a, a kind of a great conversation with this woman who's like, uh, you know, a little bit of a, a, a inspiration figure or something. And then I can also kind of, you know, welcome in the new kiddo who's like way younger than me. Like, what was that like? So it was strictly still kids, but it was I think they started okay. at junior high and then it went to senior year. But it was really gotcha. interesting because... I do think that there was an interesting mix of people because the the gift of it was. Um, so it was a not-for-profit theater. I think it still exists. I want to think it does. And it basically had everyone in, like you would have, you know, the, the hair and makeup department would have a an adult or two in charge, but everything was done by kids. So you would have age ranges from like, you know, um, you know, eighth grade or whatever and you would have them like doing wardrobe they would be doing costumes i love it they would be doing stage management they would be doing all this stuff and our director was an adult our uh, you know our orchestra for the most part were adults and everything like that but yeah everything was really just trying to get the kids hands on to see what they could do and whatnot and i just thought it was such a great environment but it was really interesting because it was a sense of all of a sudden you did feel this passing of of like when I jumped in I jumped in when I was in my I want to say freshman or sophomore years when I started at this this uh as at uh, SDJT and I just remember being like oh these are the like these are the the kids that are going to go to conservatory one day these are the skilled and and it was really just the senior class but it's again it's a smaller microcosm of what school is and everybody's creative right so there is no I think the one thing I will say now that I think about it, the one thing that we could get out of the way is we're all theater geeks and freaks here. You know what I mean? Everybody's going to be eccentric and artistic and there's no needing to like placate anybody and be, you know, straight laced in this in this circle or, you you know, like you said, like, don't be too much of yourself in certain spaces. Be as much of yourself as you want to yeah. be here because people are just going to like <laughs> or find out more about how weird you are. And that was something that was really neat. And just seeing that throughout um, the different age ranges. But I mean, there were people that I think when I got in, there were still people ahead of me that I didn't really gravitate towards. But my in my immediate group, I will say that there was a, um, a sense of letting my hair down and getting to hang out and being welcomed. So I think that was maybe that was the placebo actually was. I was welcomed immediately. Like I, I was brought in. Yeah. It just it because they actually held auditions, and so you would have to audition. And the only prerequisite was if you were a part of the cast, you did have to take classes with the SDJT program, which was fine because I didn't really 
there were arts stuff in in school, but at the time I was really into guitar in school, so I didn't really use the drama program in my school. So it was nice to have extracurricular theater programs that I could to attend, and and thankfully my my parents could afford it, so I was able to attend. But it was really cool to be able to just suddenly I I audition and I get one of the lead parts, and suddenly everybody's like, "Who's this new girl?" and very welcoming, and. I don't know, again, ambivalence maybe, but not duplicitous. And it was just really cool to be welcomed just for being who I was versus having to have a dramatic exit because I didn't feel like I I was being my authentic self at at my school. So it was a welcomed blanket of um, acceptance, which I really appreciated. Yeah. Was there, were there ever conversations about, because, you know, obviously there are parents who are in, you know, the medical field or who are in the law field or even just who came in from a different country with a, with a certain idea about what was possible in the United States. Like, did, was there ever any of that for you or uh, were your mom and your stepdad or just your mom? Was everybody kind of like, yeah, act. Absolutely. Go for it. Not in the least. I, I mean... I will say my stepdad from day one was very encouraging, very like, oh, and my mom really did appreciate that I had ability because I could sing, like I could carry a tune before I could speak. So there was ability there innately. Um, But I think what happens is I see it now in retrospect. I think there was a hesitance um, for her to accept me as an, and she'll deny this, but I do really do believe this, that there was a little bit of a hesitation because she just didn't know the world. All of my parents are doctors. All of them are. And so for all of them, there's a track. You go to school, you go to right. residence, you get a, you get place somewhere or you have your practice. Like there's a trajectory that is mapped out and you can deviate a little, but that's it. And you are, if you start here, you're going to end up here. And that wasn't the case. And I think part of the frustration that kind of came through in her concern and her care was, I don't know what this is and I don't know how to help you. And I think that's, you know, so I remember like it wasn't until I booked the lead of a pilot that my mom was like, oh, you can actually make money off of this. Oh, you can actually do this. Oh, this is what it takes. Because it was just this, up until that point, I had little bit parts here and there, but it wasn't until I was in something established and I made a good amount of money that she immediately was like, oh, that's that's what's possible. And now, biggest cheerleader, everything like that, very motivational because now that she knows what it looks like, what the A to B, to Z right. is there's there's an ability for her to wrap her brain around that my my stepdad never had a doubt he was very much like I don't know what this road looks like but that's cool my mom was very much like okay we'll see here's a nursing pamphlet maybe you uh-huh. and I just remember being like I just remember one time she was like you know you're really good with people maybe you want to do nursing and I was like I'm uh-huh. I can't like I don't and and now we're on this side again we're in a better relationship where every like and we're in a space now where she's very much like, I saw you on TV. Or, you know, like I, I, yeah. I had an opportunity that that um, they moved on. They went, a different, they went in a different direction. And she was like, you know what? That wasn't yours. What's meant for? And I was just like, I don't, I love this version. Like uh, we're we in such that. a great place. Yep. 
But there was hesitation. And my and my dad, dad, forget about it. Like my biological dad, like I remember when I wanted to go to school, he's like, well, go to state school because I'm not paying for it. So it it was I mean, he he was he was very fair weather, very invested when he wanted to be. Um, He he never drove me to my community theater days like it was he was very not involved he was very self-involved and um you know and that and that's who he was at the time and so I I, again I don't really talk to him in those spaces but my immediate family it's just been really wonderful to get that support because as you know like some days we have we have existential crises and we just kind of go what am I doing and to have my nuclear family being supportive and being able to lift me up in those moments I'm glad we arrived here and but yeah there was hesitation to start and it was a I think genuinely going through those motions because my mom is very musical as well I think she always saw it as a part of my life but when I decided to allow it to be the focus of my life is when she got a little bit hesitant but there was always an allowance to see what happens and I definitely give her credit to for sure and again, like it all comes back to intention too. like so so often, you know, if, if your mom's intention was like, I want my daughter to be able to f- put food on the table and feel empowered and feel great about a career and feel like there's something there is that trajectory. I mean, who who doesn't understand that, especially when it comes to doing what we do? It's like, but that's not fair. Like how many times yeah. when I first started doing this, I was like, huh, that doesn't seem fair. Like whether it was about me or someone else and people had to be like, oh, honey. If you want fair, you're in the wrong business. I'm right? so sorry. Like you need to be you need to be a you need to be so comfortable with randomness, with luck, with oh, like stuff that feels like it shouldn't matter and you know what I mean and just and like hold on to the person you are and that's going to be your your job is is as much as anything going to be like having that kind of support system internally and externally that isn't relying on someone in Hollywood to somehow be fair. One hundred percent. It's so uh, funny because I'm sure you get questions a lot at conventions where they're like, how did you do it? And how uh, what do I do? Such and a hard question to answer. It's yeah. so hard because I'm like, no yeah. one's path is the same. Your yeah. freaking your quest items are going to be different from mine. Like you're totally. you're you know, you're not going to follow the same trajectory and I've been very fortunate in a lot like you said a lot of luck but I will I double down on preparedness all the time like that's the one thing that I have to people but to your point it's it's one of those things where you really can't you really can't copy and paste what we do and it varies so entirely from person to person to person and it's really interesting that we're conditioned, though. We're conditioned to think by society that everything has a pathway, that everything has its its certain the way that it works. But even even honestly, I will say this: my sister's a general surgeon. If you ask her how she did it, it isn't conventional either. And I hmm. think that that's good to hear. You know, it was she started as undergrad. She started as a sports medicine, so she graduated a sports medicine. Um, uh, undergrad degree and she realized that she wanted to do more so she applied herself and she ended up going to community college she ended up going and getting the prereqs she needed so she's now a general surgeon and she didn't even know if she wanted that 
And so now she's there, but it's so interesting because it's like she's there. And if we put the societal rules on her, oh, she started too late. She had should have figured this out sure. ahead of time. Beep, boop, bah. And I'm like, but you're doing yeah. what you love and you're doing it. Yeah. And you have the ability to do yeah. it. And that's all that matters. Like, you know, the timelines are there are no timelines, right? The rules are there are no rules. And totally. I, I really totally. do totally. think that totally. it is we are learning that now and we are able to impart that knowledge to others. But it is that thing where we had parents that had trajectory that were told that there was path. And so I think it's in a way us in our own way stumbling but succeeding helps yeah. them unlearn what that was and be Agree. more open. And I think it it also opens them up just to like life too, just like whenever life throws curveballs. Because yes. I think that's part of part of existing, you know? It's not just about the job. It's everything else, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. Especially when, you know, our kind of like our sort of generation has experienced some very startling things in the last few years. And there is that sort of sense of like, the existential crisis of like, wait, what matters? Mm-hmm. Wait, how? Do, oh, oh, so something can just come in and just like, you know, whoosh, sort of clear the slate in these very kind of scary ways or whatever. But also, I think, too, those are the kinds of things where like I it helps me so much when asked that stuff in the sense that it's very it's very uh, stressful to not be able to provide someone something at first blush <laughs> because you are you are like. right how do you do it but every time I have a conversation even you know the one that you and I are having it's like I have to keep learning that over and over again Mm -hmm. also it's like keeping the muscle flexed or like you know doing the stretches because it's it's such a great reminder like every time I tell someone like you know it's just there's a lot of that's arbitrary and like so much of your job is to really be happy in your life and to figure out what that looks like and not put so much weight on xyz and then you know you say that and you're like huh I guess I I guess I needed to hear that hundred percent I guess I needed to hear it from myself also you know yeah to just check in with it you know I love that Okay, we're going to take a break. I will be back after a word from our wonderful buddies at Maximum Fun. I'm Emily Fleming. And I'm Jordan Morris. We're real comedy writers. And real friends. And real cheapskates. We say, why subscribe to expensive streaming services when you can stream tons of insane movies online for free? Yeah, as long as you're fine with 25 randomly inserted, super loud car insurance commercials. On our podcast, Free With Ads, we review streaming movies from the darkest corner of the internet's bargain bin. From the good to the weird to the holy, look at Van Damme's big old butt. Free with ads, a free podcast about free movies that's worth the price of admission. Every Tuesday on MaximumFun.org or your favorite pod spot. Hello, welcome everyone. Step right up. We're going to heal you. We are the healers, Ross and Carrie. Yes, yes. You there. You look like you're upset. Come up here. Yes, you are healed because you've listened to our podcast. Yes. Have you been having trouble with demons? Are you sleeping too much? Too little? Just right? We have the solution. It is to listen to Oh Oh No, no, Ross and and Carrie. A show where we examine unusual claims. We show up so you don't have to. Find us on MaximumFun.org. We won't actually heal you. Hey, 
got to get into the Smash game with you. Otherwise, I'll keep you for a billion years. (laughs) Um, Okay. First Smash question I would like to ask is uh, three... Well, I'm still stuck on Pride and Prejudice. So three um, fictitious worlds, whether they are book or TV or film, that you can jump into in this alternate universe we're creating for you. You can jump into them whenever you want. They're real. You're not reliving the plot necessarily. You're just like, oh my God, I'm in this space that gives me this feeling that I get when I watch this movie or when I read this book. Three. Well, I... Okay, so for me... I mean, it's controversial, but Harry Potter was just so cool, like Hogwarts and all that stuff. Of course. Um, I, Jane Austen, yeah, Pride and Prejudice. It probably Great. smelled terrible, though, but I really liked I, it. That, I remember that was something I like went to a movie with my mom, who I also had kind of a tricky relationship with when I was younger and um she wanted to see this movie with me and I was always so excited when there's like a thing that she wanted us to do together uh-huh. and it was this um it was a perioded piece and that was like the first thing she said when we walked out she was like you know I feel like that did a really good job of like somehow giving you that sense that everyone stank <laughs> <laughs> I was like I love that that's her number one takeaway yeah she's just like this but it is this- true it is true. It is. I just kind of sit there and I'm like... You just like, wouldn't notice in the same way, right? You just wouldn't notice. You would just like... We we go with the glamour of the Roman Empire. I'm like, there were there were outside troughs where people would yeah, take a dump. Like, totally. let's not get it twisted. It's just normal. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the third, the third world. Um, oh my gosh. You know what? I'm just going to... My Little Pony. I want to know what's I going on. I love it. Yeah. Sidewalks are candy. Let's rage. Let's go. Hell yes. <laughs> okay. Beautiful. All right. Wonderful. Uh, next one. Let's do three places in the world. Whether you have actually visited them or not, um, we're sort of uh, looking at the fantasy version of it anyway. So whatever's great about it, you can, and we can kind of teleport you there. You don't have to take a flight there. So if you want to be in Australia, mm-hmm. don't worry. You can just like walk through a door and you're there. Yeah. I would say Iceland, because I believe that has the Aurora Borealis hardcore i would love to do that yes um i would love to go to antarctica before they all melt and i would love to go to right now i my and this is possible but i want to go to oaxaca for day of the dead i just want to see oh sure i just want to see it and just see the celebration and yeah they're hard on mole and i'm like let's go i love me so much (sighs) Absolutely. Okay, beautiful. Um, well, speaking of mole, let's try uh, to do three foods that in this reality, maybe you're allergic to, or you, it feels ecologically irresponsible to eat, or uh, you just can't eat, you know, a giant bag of M&Ms like you could when you were a kid and yeah. not get sick. Um, these three foods are not the only foods you're eating, but I'm taking away all of the ramifications. Somehow, this in this magical world, you can have as much as you want whenever you want, and nobody gets hurt. Three. Chocolate chip cookies. Great. There's this bread that in um, in in Philippine culture, it's called pan de leche and it's just the milk bread and it's really, really yummy. And then to pair with that um, Mexican hot chocolate, the, oh, the one that's with the molina yes, that's super thick. Indeed. Pan de leche and hot chocolate. Great. Okay. And what's number three? Um, and then I think I said, well, no, now I want to redact that. Um, I would say... Oh, sorry. I paired you. I When you said you were pairing it with, I just threw those in as one Oh, thing. beautiful. Oh, as I a, love that. It's a combo. Yeah, as, a, as a little extra. Yeah, it's a combo. Okay, then French fries. <laughs> <laughs> perfect. Perfect, perfect. Okay. Next one. 
this is MASH. we got to get some romance in here. I'm not committing to this person uh, for the rest of your life. Three people can be characters from anything, can be people from any age, any era. Like, you can, you know, uh, whatever you want. Sky's the limit. Okay. Let's go with Mark Darcy, first off. Great. Let's do it. Um, Second, let's do Superman. Let's do it. Great. And then last but not least, I would say, oh, Indiana Jones. Adorable (laughs) and love. Love. Great. Okay. Uh, Next category, let's do three real life skills that perhaps they take many years to perfect, but we're going to just sort of potentially download into your brain matrix style. So you wake up tomorrow and you're like, yes, I am the Kung Fu master or insert three other things here. Basic skills? I mean, if you want to get fancy, I'm going to say not, I'm not supernatural, but it could definitely be as kind of um, specialized as you would like. And it could be, you know. I would say being a proficient chef. Like if I could, right. you know, oh, I dabble yeah. in French cuisine. Like, oh, yeah. I would love that life. Um, yes. I would love to be able to be a DIY project savant. Like mm-hmm. I would love to be able to just be like, yes, YouTube University graduated. Yes. Teach the master class. <laughs> um, and then I would love, I want to be a precision driver so bad. Oh, hell yeah. I just want to be a precision. I just want to, I just want to hug turns. I, I would wanna- love that also. Oh my I gosh. I would. <laughs> Great. Okay. Uh, next one, let's do three. Let's do three like movies or plays or TV shows where you we get to swap you out with someone who actually did get to do it. So even if it's something, <clears throat> you know, from like the 1970s or whatever, it's like, oh, no, by by virtue of magic, I was able to be a part of that production or, um, you know what I mean? Or it could just be like a play that, you know, for whatever reason, it doesn't, quote unquote, make sense for you to be this character. But in this alternate universe, you can. Um. That's really interesting. So the first thing that comes to mind is the X-Files. Obsessed oh, with great. it. Would love to do the X-Files. Agree. The play that comes to mind, funnily enough, is not, it's a very specific production that I saw. It was of Harold Pinter's Closer, but mm-hmm. it had it had three main leads, but the two male leads were Tom Hiddleston and Charlie Cox. Oh, and yeah, I would just great. love to play opposite them. Let's get in there. Absolutely. <laughs> um, and Cox. Perfect. It was so, I was just like, oh, I, I bet it was fantastic. Be her. Um, yeah. And then last but not least, what would be really fun to do? Xena Warrior Princess. I just think it would oh, be he- the coolest yes. place. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, beautiful. All right. Next one, let's do uh I have there are just two more categories left. Uh let's do a um ooh, what do I want to do for you? Boo, 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 boo. Maybe like well, I'd love to hear like alternate universe careers, like something that's just like it could be f- fairly close to what you're doing now. Like you just pivot and suddenly you're just directing, you know, mm. blockbusters. Um, but it could also be like you become a diplomat or you become a hot air balloonist, whatever you want. You get to dabble in three uh, different careers. Oh wow! I think. Um... What if you're like nursing, right? Surgery. Nursing, <laughs> That's a gift to your doctor. Mom. I know, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> Good words. <laughs> um, what would I love to do? The first thing that comes to mind genuinely is someone like a policy maker, like someone yeah. who 
I wish I had a thicker skin for it, but I just like someone who who helps change and move government in some way, you know. I'm putting agent of change in agent. here. I like it. I love that. Um Great. I would love that. I would love to be some like a like a teacher, like a teacher of some kind. Yeah. Great. And then last but not least, something I would a uh, career, adjacent career. If I could if it wasn't depressing most, you know, like when people, but a veterinarian, because I love the the animals. It's true that that would be, the hard stuff would be so hard. I just, you know, I shattered but, a vet when I thought I wanted to be a veterinarian because I was trying to be like, I don't want to do anything acting, remo- like involved. Sure. So I was like, I'm in a hard pivot. I don't like talking to people. Uh-huh. JK. Yeah. But I was like, oh, I'll talk to animals. But yes. I remember it was such a dose of reality when oh. like the amount of people who were like, they don't see their pets as responsibilities. So this right. life-saving thing that could happen, they don't want to give it to their yeah. their animal or they couldn't afford it. And it was right. just, I'm like, I, I it broke my heart every yeah. day. And I said, I can't, the the thick skin that they have and the ability to to look at people and be like, you are denying care for it. Like you didn't think about this. And so- Right. Whenever friends of mine get pets, I'm like, you need to understand that this is a member yeah. of your family now. Like, yeah. it's it's there's no holds bar. I I'm a very firm believer in that, and and that yeah. experience humbled me and made me realize I did not have I did not have the backbone to be able to do that because I would be I certainly wouldn't. Oh my gosh, I'd be crying I all the time. Certainly wouldn't. Are you sure I you don't want to do would. that? Oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> you'd be going out of pocket yourself. You'd be like, well. Funny thing happened. Uh, there were so many of the um, vet techs. Um, sorry for delineating, but there were so many vet techs at this practice that had pets because people would be like, yeah, I'll pay for the surgery and wouldn't pay for it. They would just ditch the, the oh pet there. Oh, my God. So like I had one of them had like wow. three chihuahuas or something like that. Oh, no. So the, the, the chihuahua is fine now, but who's paying yeah. for it? And it's yeah. just it sucks. That's wild. It sucks. Oof, you want, that's you, wild. Yeah, it's interesting. Let me get from you for the final one. Uh, let me do. <laughs> Maybe I need. To, I, I almost want to go right back to like something that's all like v- visually oriented because I made such a huge deal of like not wanting to overcompliment your beautiful smile. But is there? Are you the type of person? as I am, that likes the idea of being able to sort of ha- like try on a certain style of fashion, especially if it's sort of extreme for one reason or another. But like everything is like equally comfortable, like whether you want to wear a corset or you want to wear sweatpants, they're all the same level of comfort. And anyone would accept you wearing anything at any given time. Is there like three things that you're like, oh, my God, please let me wear this for a day and just be totally at home in it? Marie Antoinette. French, the thing with the hips. I just yes. want to see how we how we enter the world, how yes. we how we live our lives. I think yeah. that would be fire. Um, yes, I would say again because you're like it's unencumbered and stuff like that. You know those people that have like the latex like dresses and stuff like that. Yeah. I know I would sweat. Like I yeah. know me in that. Like it would, it would be a hot mess. But if I could yeah. wear it without any fault, let's rage. Great. And then I think I would love. <laughs> I love how excited I am about this. I'm Just so glad. The freaking coronation outfits that the royal family wears. The 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 this yes. and the scepter and the ball and the and the yes. giant robe. I'm just Ugh. like, 
let me go to McDonald's. Let me just, <laughs> let me get some chicken nugs yeah. in this thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just saw, I went to the uh, this fashion exhibit in San Francisco and there was, they had a bunch of like kind of oh, through the eras, different designer clothing. And there was one that really had that like, like firm cape for everyone who can't see because this is not a visual podcast. Yeah. But just that sort of like, almost like you have a little amphitheater behind your yes. head. Um, Contains the I was sound. like, I am so, yeah, I was like, I cannot believe how into this I am. Like, I all, I mean, I knew I liked costume stuff, but it was just, I couldn't take my eyes off it. I was like, and I also am a child and do that thing where I'm like, if I could pick one thing. I would wear. And this entire thing, I would call this one. Yeah. But yeah. Like low key, my honorable mention would be we grew up watching the Victoria's Secret run- runway. Sh- like they would they would halt <laughs> totally. production, but I wanted to wear wings. Like those when wings. they had those, I just wanted to those wear them wings in the park. Just, yes, oh they knew God. what they were doing with those wings. I they definitely obs- knew what they were doing. I was like, okay, chick, whatever. But the wings, yeah. let's yes. go. <laughs> yes, fabulous, fabulous. Okay, uh, give me a number between one and nine. Four. Great. Okay. While I do this, uh, I would like to invite you to, and again, we can edit, so I don't want you to feel like you have to just uh, ramble. All this will not take me very long. Uh, tell people where they can find you. Tell people what they should check out. Tell people what uh, you're excited about. It doesn't even have to be your project, but um, this is a great opportunity for people to find and support more stuff if they don't already of Jacqueline. Oh, my gosh. Thank you. Um mm-hmm. You can find me pretty much on Twitter. I'm at Tiny Wonder Lopez. On Instagram, and I have a Facebook page, I believe, J. Grace Lopez. And then right now, I'm really fortunate. I'm on the soap opera General Hospital. So I'm on that right now, um, which is really fun. We're going through a really interesting storyline. And then you can also, I was recently on True Lies for CBS last year. So that's really fun. And then... You know, where we are kindred spirits. I voiced Cora in Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl 2. So yeah. that was last year or this year. So you can find me there. And then um, if you are into novellas, I narrated an audio book, What the Hex, about a witch and a warlock. <gasps> How fun. That, that one I didn't know about. That's exciting. I'm going to write that down. That one, that one was saucy. <laughs> I love it. The sexual innuendo puns. I really love Alexis. Uh, Alexis Daria is the writer of it. She really does. She does romance with a Latina twist, like all the the protagonists are Latina. And it was basically her vision for this novella was if the Kardashians were witches, what would happen? And I was like, (laughs) say less. (laughs) Yeah. Say less. Oh, my God. Okay. Beautiful. Beautiful. All right. I also have your uh, results. I'm feeling pretty damn good about them. So I would like to start by telling you, oh my God, where do I even start right now? All right. I don't know if you're the one making your own chocolate chip cookies, but I want you to know that you're a fantastic chef. So if you felt like you wanted to whip some together from scratch, you could certainly do that or any other type of cuisine you wanted to just like casually be able to toss together without it being any kind of weird like, oh, my God, I don't know what I'm doing. You are supremely confident and talented in that realm. And you certainly can have, again, whether you're making them or not, all the chocolate chip cookies you want with zero ramifications at any time. I'm obsessed. So you got that already. Uh, I also want to congratulate you on this. Is, one thing that I like is 
there's like some different looks going on here as we explore some of these other um, avenues that you're that you're going down for fun. The idea of you being this kind of like amazing, powerful, uh, inspiring agent of change um, in a very practical sense, but also being able to wear like a Marie Antoinette type outfit in that context. That's how I get the votes. That's how I get and the also votes. exactly. And also, if that if if that's not uh, floating your boat, go ahead and just know that you are a Xena warrior princess. So you can also lean on those uh, that amazing attire um, because you got to do that. And uh, I would have loved to see you as Xena. That would have been amazing. So you never know. You, you never, never know. know. Stuff gets stuff gets uh, brought back up and made fabulous all the time in Hollywood now. So if we're going to recycle something, let's do it right. Let's do a great rendition. Let's get you in Xena. I love it. Now, you can also jump into My Little Pony whenever you want. So you got that. Not bad. Um, this is also uh, an opportunity for you to just transport yourself to Antarctica and just be in the space with the whales and the penguins. Um, pretty amazing. And uh, my sweetie went down there with the Coast Guard um, as a journalist and the stories and photos and stuff that he has shared with me are extraordinary. Like, I definitely have to go also. It so just, maybe I'll meet you down there. Yeah. Just, you know, I'll, I'll be snow pony. I'll have a little <laughs> have a snow sticker on my At butt. First, I couldn't see you. You blended right in with the snow. Oh, my God. But thank you, you so much. I'm like really magical. <laughs> <laughs> and this. Oh, by the way, that's an apartment. So not sure how that works. But you have an apartment in Antarctica. That's, um, it's cool. Two bedrooms. It's hopefully. cool. Absolutely. Yeah. Listen. You got your two bedroom. I don't want you to worry about that. Okay, thank you. And so much. Um, you're experiencing all of this with none other than Mr. Mark Darcy. Oh my God, I'm so excited! <laughs> Wait a second, I need this to happen now. <laughs> An article with Mark Darcy. You cannot make this up. Uh, that's a sweeping romance of its own, right there. Fabulous. Yes. Fabulous. Below uh, zero romance. <laughs> totally. We're here for it. <laughs> Jacqueline, I'm so glad we got to do this. Yeah. Likewise. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much for having me. And, and really just this was such a wonderful walk down memory lane, but also just really cool to revisit these things and just see what's shaped us into the people we are. Totally. Totally. And now we just have to see each other in real life. So we will facilitate that. We will involve our Erica Ishii. And uh, until then, everybody, I will talk to you next week on the podcast. Bye. Hey, remember when we could save kittens from trees or lunch on skyscrapers, bring the villains to their knees? Maybe we should move someplace. The show is recorded by me and edited by Julian Burrell. And as always, the JV Club theme song is Back Before We Were Brittle by the amazing Say Hi. Maximum Fun, a worker-owned network of artist-owned shows, supported directly by you.